episode 669. I had trouble telling because I have a cat (laughs) on my notebook here. Um, How are you? Just happy that I got to, like, make a 69 joke. (laughs) Nice. It only happens once every 100 episodes. Yeah, you have to take advantage. I heard the funniest joke on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. They were talking about something with numbers, and one of the comedians chimes in and he goes, like, I don't know what you guys are talking to, but uh, you guys are are talking about numbers and we're talking about math, so I'm legally uh, uh, required to say 69. (laughs) (laughs) And then then the the, uh, host goes, and I think I'm legally required to respond, Nice. nice. <laughs> and I laughed so hard because I'm like, I will never be too old for that joke. I I would love to know the first time that happened and then how it caught on on the internet. Because the, everyone is in on it. Everyone is in. Yes. It's so, and I think that my love for that joke is almost equal to my hatred of the actual act. <laughs> do you have a problem with 69? Oh, God, I'm not going to do that. Like, like, forget it. Really? You're disgusted yeah. by it. It's not disgusted. It's, 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 <laughs> here's the thing. I can do, it feels like a, a, a rub your tummy, pat your head situation. Yeah, that's true. I get that. I mean, I'm, you're going to tell me to, you want me to multitask? Well, no. That's like, I, and it is multitasking because I got to think and I got to focus about what's going on. And then, mm-hmm. you know, so I got to like also focus, like do what I'm doing and then pay attention. I you can't, I can't. Yeah. Okay. I no. guess it's supposed to, in theory, be everybody's happy at the same time, but you're telling me you're not happy. Not happy. And most of the time I'm in a plank. <laughs> Like, like, can we just recognize that? I mean, there was definitely a funny moment one time where, like, 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 Eli was like, oh, do you want to get on top? And I was like, fuck no, I've been in a plank for three minutes. Like, we both started laughing so hard. Wow. That's why I got good abs. Uh, When did you first know that you, like, had no sensor? Well, Like, for real, because I really... You don't either. Yeah, but mine is more directed at other people. No, you've talked. You've talked about your own personal things Have on I? here before. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, then I can answer too. If you, you always want. talk about your vagina. Yes, I, that's true. I have no problem saying that. Yeah. Floppity sloppity down there. So I can't even <laughs> say that about yours. Like I get embarrassed, but I could talk about like what uh, two people in in a consenting relationship are engaging in some like. No, I'm not judging you. I love this about you. I just want to know, like, if you've always realized that you share more than most people. Is it too much? I love it. Stop. Was it too much? Absolutely not. Too much. I wish everyone was like that because it's evidence of a lack of shame, which I I think is a good thing. Ah, yes. I was just thinking that every now and then I like write down little ideas that I have, uh, and I was just thinking the other day about how. When you shine a light on whatever it is you are embarrassed about or nervous about, it, mm, like, melts away yes. all the shame. Yes, you Shame can't exist out in the open. And if you, you know. Yeah, like, are, I have become very anti-secret. 
Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, secrets. They're not good for anyone. Yeah. Are nothing but trouble. And they're usually like a time bomb. You know what I mean? Yeah. I have to say yeah. before you launch into all the fun, Sarah told me this is going to be candy, 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 which I'm yeah, excited it's about. Like all candy. It's like me telling you about gossip and like oh, God, rumors that's my and favorite. Things. Yeah, I know. You love this shit. Um, <laughs> but at the end of the episode, I like to warn everybody when there's an interview. And oh, yeah. the, the interview, I meant to actually put it in our 666 episode and then just forgot. But this was an interview that I did with my brother, Paul, my oldest brother. And um, we interviewed the lead singer of this band called Striper oh, cool. from the 80s. What? This is a Christian oh my rock, rock heavy metal band. And if you've seen them... God, the- my mind's exploding. Well, he's like a super fan. My Mostly brother, because your brother, my brother, is a super fan of Striper and what a treat. Um, I just was. I had heard that Striper was going to be making a documentary, which I was very excited about because of my academic work with religion, but also just like as a child of the '80s. And so I reached out, and and they said they'd come on. And so we talk about the band and how they are like you know, this heavy metal band, but they're Christian. And so like they, they were not pleasing anybody. Like in the eighties, everyone hated them. Like rock, true rock bands felt like, why are you talking about Jesus? And then the Jesus people were like, why are you dressed like that? (laughs) And they were just trying to bridge the gap. Yeah. And they're super duper talented and they still tour. We went to see them this summer and it was remarkable. Their, their musicianship was unbelievable and i would not say that if it weren't true it is unreal his vocals and guitar work were excellent and so um we were just having a blast because we were just talking about like their career and stuff and how weird it must have been for them to be like shunned by the christian community but then not really embraced by mtv although they were on mtv sometimes what so that's not a lot of, of those kind of bands. Yeah, but. they had some actual hits. Um, they had an album called um, To Hell with the Devil. Yeah, because I know who they are. You, Yeah, well, right. They're probably the most famous Christian rock band. And I say in the interview how, like, most Christian rock bands, I feel like, or, or artists, choose that because there's it's a small pond, so you can make a bigger splash. And so even if you're not that talented, you're probably going to do pretty well. But that's not true for them. Like, they could have been mainstream, and they chose instead to follow their heart and their faith. And I think that's admirable. Love the Lord. Yeah. I mean, my brother and this guy, Michael Sweets, who's the lead singer, are believers. So they're approaching the interview from that point of view. And so that there's a lot of Jesus talk. super (laughs) cool. And before I interviewed Michael, I just talked to Paul, my brother. So there's a a 10-minute section that's just me and Paul talking about his love of Striper and then ah! Michael Sweet. So anyway, that's coming up later. I'm just warning you if you're into like 80s stuff or Christian stuff or whatever so that you might be into it. So Or just like into Susie and want to hear about her family and hear <laughs> Susie right, talk about Right, her right, right. Yeah. So and the video will be up on Patreon as well. Okay. There you go. Yes. So I can't wait. It'll be fun. Um, I just have to ask this. Does he have like metal hair, like full metal? He still like, has some still? metal hair, but... Metal guys yeah. always hold on to the hair. I know. Appreciators, lovers of metal, and musicians. Yeah, they like they really committed like, to that look. got a headbang. Look. 
Yeah, but they've toned down like the costumey because they would they used to dress in like black and gold, like they looked like buzzing bees. I mean, they were very <laughs> cartoonish in a way, and now it's just okay. all black, which I think striper. was a nice mature <laughs> decision, <laughs> right? Yeah. Striper, yeah, striper to or hell? striper, striper with a P okay. to hell with the devil. Hell. Yes. <laughs> That's very different than Ronnie with <laughs> Right. Uh, so I hope they do make the documentary because that is something I am yeah. ready for. Anyway, it's Sarah's episode, though, so I don't want to monopolize. I will say before you, one more thing before you begin. Yeah. We should yeah. encourage everybody to get some new luggage from oh. base. Hello. I love it. I felt so fancy right. when I was... Not the person who had the bag where, like, you open it up and it looks like something just exploded in there or, like, you <laughs> shoved everything down and it's, like, barely fitting. This was, like... A lady's <sighs> classy oh, yes. gal. I was like, this must be how Kim Kardashian feels. <laughs> exactly. These bags... We have the Weekender, but they have a whole collection. You can get roller bags and all that stuff. And they are really sharp, and they have tons of features that make, like, the airport experience and the travel experience so much better, which is much Speedy. needed. Yes. Yeah, it's like oh. efficiency. It's be a great gift for the holidays. Um, and a lot of people travel, too, this time of year. Mm-hmm. So this would be great to get before you head out for wherever the heck you're going. Um in the Weekender bag, they have a whole section down there for shoes or toiletries or whatever that's separate. Oh, so good. So your regular luggage doesn't get all weird. And then on the rollers, you can get like, there's the built-in weight indicator and they oh, have washable bags for your dirty clothes. Like all kinds of nice features that you guys are going to love. Gorgeous colors. Lots of things to, uh, lots of options to pick from. And right now, Base is offering our listeners 15% off your first purchase by visiting basetravel.com slash brain candy. Go to basetravel.com slash brain candy for 15% off your first purchase. That's B E I S travel.com slash brain candy. Sleek and affordable. That's how I would describe them. Yes. So check them out. Love it. Um, your turn, Sarah. Um, I have so many things that I don't even know where to start. <laughs> I do want, I think we have to start with the message. I sent you this in a, a Instagram DM oh my gosh, yes. the other day. Cause I was like, we have to talk about this in the podcast. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those, am I the asshole? This is a perfect mm. thing to talk about after we talk about luggage, right? Uh, yeah, it yes. is. Yes. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, this one was on. An airplane not or not was not on the airplane was on at a restaurant oh okay, 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 but yes. but it happens all the time on planes where you hear a yes. kid crying or whatever yes, so this woman uh is dining at a fancy restaurant, and she asks to be switched to a different table because there's a crying baby, okay, and the mom called her out for being an asshole, for asking to be moved. What are your thoughts? I think you're more of an asshole to bring your kid to a restaurant without a children's menu. Amen, sister. If they don't have a children's that's menu. That's a really good, that's a really good kind of, uh, uh, you know. Yeah. Like it's a signal of who is meant to be there. 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. She she just wanted a night away from children. Yeah. You know, she's like, I want a break. I just want to have a nice dinner. And it's a fancy restaurant. Yeah. She's not doing this at fucking Applebee's, like you said. It's not like... Well, or even a place. This is going to be like a nice restaurant. Think about how much money it costs at a restaurant like that to eat. And if you your whole dining experience was ruined by somebody's bratty kid. Yeah. No thanks. Awful. Yeah. I, awful, I think awful. it's ridiculous that the mom was offended. I think it is too. I don't understand. I mean, people did overwhelmingly side with oh, the good. Okay. woman. You know, but I, I think that... There may be those people who chime in that say, like, she's a mother of two and her husband couldn't leave the restaurant because she had already ordered and da-da-da-da. And, you know, she asked. I don't give a shit. Yeah. What? I feel like, can they say you can't take children, you can't bring children into this establishment? Hmm. I've never heard of that, but I I bet they'd do a good business if they did say that. (laughs) Because it would be like this safe space. Yeah, I'm trying to think. There was something I went to recently that it it said on. Oh no, it was a the it was a it was a, uh, like interactive theater. I went to this thing oh. called Theater of the Mind. Did I tell you about this? No. Did I tell you about somewhere? Oh, it was so cool. It's uh, it was a, a interactive an interactive theater experience. That was done by one of the guys from, I want to say, the band The Talking Heads. And it's this journey, this kind of story. Uh, and you walk through a house. And there are all of these um, optical illusions and different uh, experiences that you have. That And, and a lot, in the story, they're kind of like... Make asking you questions that make you kind of question reality. What is real? How do we know mm. what is the truth? How do we know who we are? How do we know like where where what makes us us? Where do yeah. where do we, we begin? And it was really cool because it was like there was one room you went into where they ha- it was in total darkness and you had um uh they had everybody sit on these little stools. There are probably like twenty people per group. And you sat on these little stools, all facing in in this in complete darkness in this room that kind of looked like an egg. And they it's all red. When you first get in there, all the light is red. And that does something to your eyes to capture it almost works like how a photograph works. Like whatever is the last image it sees, it will like stamp into your vision, mm-hmm. like your visual, mm, I don't know, whatever feel they didn't, even, they, they gave you a QR link at the end, uh, to like see all the science behind everything, which I hadn't looked at yet. But, um, so I don't know, they didn't explain like the science going through it. So all, it's all the lights are red. And then, um, they tell you, okay, on the count of three, uh, then she turns out the lights and then flashes a strobe light. And when on one flash of the strobe light, everybody holds a pose and then the light goes away and it's pitch black, but somehow your eye goes into focus and you could see the poses that everybody just made, but it's totally black. It is the craziest thing. You know, you are in a pitch black room, but somehow with how it works with your eyes, like, so it's like, okay, what, 
what's present, what's right here, right now. It was so cool. Um, yes. So anyways, I was like, what, what was I even fucking talking about with this? Uh, it said specifically on there, no children under the age of 18. But that makes sense because it's like interactive and they all they need is like to say something or like, you know, yeah. have a phone on them and ruin the experience. Or I mean, don't like get me that, wrong. Like, I've taken my kid to restaurants that are fancy and that don't have a children's menu. But you bet your ass if he's getting worked up or cried or was uh, out of line, we would take him outside. We're not just letting other people suffer because we happen to make yeah. bad choices. <laughs> and don't you feel like that taught Lincoln how to be very well behaved at those restaurants? He's so good. Yeah, he is. I'm sure like he know he sat through multiple all adult meals. Yeah. Well, I think all that's weekend long when we were in only child Chicago. thing too. I mean, he's probably just used to that. But I mean, if you have a youngster like a toddler or a baby, yeah. sometimes they cry and and are tired or whatever, and you got to take that kid outside. Yeah, and some people I, don't I want feel to. Like that might have been a little bit of projecting from mom, like she's the asshole. Absolutely, and maybe she didn't want to feel embarrassed, so she just points the finger out at. How could she call someone an asshole for wanting a quiet meal? That's insane. That person yeah. needs to talk to somebody. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Uh, okay. Then other piece of not gossip, but like fun thing in the news. Usually I don't have anything good to say about Miss America pageant. Yeah. Usually I don't care about them at all, mm-hmm. but I do care about this one uh, because uh, Miss America has awarded their first ever, uh, or like given the crown to a transgender uh, person. There's no way that's true. Yes, the first the, there is a Miss America. Miss America, not like the actual Miss America pageant. It's like a local one. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, like a bootleg. The local one who's now going on to compete for Miss New Hampshire next year. Brianne Nguyen. 19. Wow. Well, that's great. And had one. And I think it's fantastic. But there are people in that pageant community who are very upset about it. Especially one woman who was the Miss Miss New England, I think she was. And she has gone on this, like, Twitter... Oh, Miss Great Britain from 1998. I'm like, first of all, sit down. You were like a million years ago. Uh, and she's, I, it almost seems like the problem she has is not just with the fact that it's a trans woman who won, but it seems like a lot of body shaming. She was like, I can't believe that a large, uh, you know, and then she said like hurtful words that I won't even. Repeat. Wow. Yeah. Hey, but it was. I it felt like more of an attack on. Like, you. She's like other girls have to, uh, uh, you know, work so hard and are judged for so many things. I'm like, oh my gosh, you don't think? Yeah, Brand? yeah. Nguyen Is her argument really for some things? Yeah, the tr- this trans person has had an easy road. <laughs> Right. Okay. Come on. Listen, and it is high time trans 
ladies were objectified just like the rest of us. Yeah, I, I, it's funny that we like we laugh like that, but like <laughs> that it it feels like if you looked back in the days of when pageants started, yeah, it was an opportunity for women to kind of like okay, like this is what I got. I'm just gonna might as well sure. just like yeah. Get a freaking scholarship out of it and and make the most of it. Yeah, make the most of it. Da da da. And now I think as women who are cisgendered women have maybe some privileges that trans women do not, and have access to more power. That this is a perfect like. Go ahead. Like I'm not. I don't feel like they're taking any prizes away from any other women no that it's that that's what they're saying they're saying it's like because it's not fair that the uh, uh girls have to compete against a biological male this is and that what, was the term like, used and i was like uh, i already hate that this is the type of thing that you hear from like jk rowling now and stuff like the trans exclusionary radical feminists the turfs you know where so J.K. Rowling is considered a TERF, where... What is trans? Trans-exclusionary Ex- radical feminists. So they consider themselves radical feminists, but they oh. they feel like trans women um, are another way that oh cis women are being, you know, diminished. That, like... These are the women who are fucking up, like... The numbers for white women in polls that are like, what? These are the, this is this type. I'm like, geez, come on. I mean, listen, I just cannot, I'm always just like, who has this kind of time to even care? Honest to God. What is it doing for you? Especially JK Rowling. I'm like, you have all that money. And for like 1998 winner. (laughs) Listen, don't judge old ladies, Sarah. It hurts my heart. No, I. If you went on real, if you were scrutinizing the new people who came on reality TV and being like, back in we my need day, the traditional <laughs> roles and typecast on reality oh. TV. I mean, you're not even a, you're the, not even like, a virginal standard. <laughs> yes, that that would be like like I would be like Susie. Yeah, 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 yeah. We need to talk. Yeah, she needs some other friends to, to be like, lady, like, pipe down. Yeah. And so now they're, like, coming after him for being too woke, which is, like, so annoying. I mean, one thing that I can crow about, though, is it is the holiday season, and whoop-de-doo, it is time for Mrs. Fields cookies. (laughs) Guess who already ate those brownies? (laughs) Me. Because I have this thing when I go out and I buy Christmas gifts for people. Yes. Uh, It's a one for you. One for me. <laughs> right. One for you. It's only fair. One for me. Yeah. So it feels like, and I love the holidays too because it, it does feel like, just get the cookies. I like mean. I've given myself, I'm like, this right? is this is what the holidays are made for. Uh, and it just really is comforting. comforting. Yeah, I know. I mean, that's the thing. It works like a charm where I'm like, oh, it is the holidays. Because, you know, normally. So nostalgic. I hate Pittsburgh weather. But that is, does not apply to the holiday season. I'll, yeah, I'm like, this no, true. this is festive and great. And that is the same with Mrs. Fields where I get them and I'm like, oh, it's Christmas, baby. And it's a great gift. They have these really festive 
um, holiday cookie gift collections that you can get. There's all different sizes and different kinds. There's like cookies and brownies and um, just all kinds of confections. And oh, this is a great gift for like a family. Like so if you're, great. If you need to get a gift for a group of people or like an office or something where you're like, this is great. Yeah. And they all come in like prepackaged little things so that like... You can you know, keep you can it from year to year too. Like yes. the thing that it comes yes. in is so cute yeah. that it's like a decoration that you can keep from year to year. Um, it's just a really great gift for everyone on your list. Right now, Mrs. Fields is giving the best deal available only to podcast listeners. Get 25% off everything site-wide when you go to mrsfields.com slash candy. That's right. Mrs. Fields is giving this exclusive deal only to podcast listeners. 25% off everything at mrsfields.com slash candy. That's 25% off at mrsfields.com slash candy. Come on. You know you love it. The white chocolate macadamia. Mm. Mm-hmm. Love I love blondies. Lincoln loves brownies. We're a perfect oh, match. That Eli loves blondies. Oh, they're so good. He, I asked him what his favorite brownie was, and he said a blondie. Oh my gosh. He, said, he was so excited when I got some Mrs. Fields cookies, and he got a blondie. Yep. He's see, being with you really pays off, Sarah. See, see, so many reasons. Um. Okay. Also, another reason that would be fun to be with me is I get to tell you fun, exciting things like this. Uh, A man ruptured his throat. Yes, ruptured his throat from stifling a sneeze, holding a sneeze. (gasps) You lie so bad. No, I don't. Hand to God. Suze, for freaking real. This was from NPR. I am not telling Adam this because I am always like, Adam, when he sneezes because it's disgusting. I want him oh. to hold it in. Eli is the lo- world's loudest sneezer. <laughs> we should make Adam and Eli yeah, battle. Yeah, like sneeze. No, it, Eli like holds it in. And when we're in public, he 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 holds it back. And so I told him that. I'm like, you better be careful. Tell and me he, what happened. What did they say? Okay. So he ruptured the soft tissue Disgusting. in his throat. What happened? He uh, to- like he's fit. He's well. He's in perfect health. He's 34 years old. You're like, in case you plan on victim blaming, he is in good health. He is in good health. (laughs) There's a regular guy that's like, you or me, Susie. So he had this, he like had a pain after he had this very forceful sneeze and he pinched his nose and held his mouth shut, which is like the only way I sneeze. (laughs) Oh my God. Uh huh. And so. Uh, uh, what happened afterwards is it hurt when he swallowed and he had a little bit of a change of voice, like, and which is kind of scary. And then his neck swelled up. And when he tried to move it, this is going to give me the heebie-jeebies. I'm sorry. It, it created what they called an unsettling popping and crackling sensation. (laughs) So he ruptured like the soft tissue and it created, they x-rayed it and, uh, the x-rays showed that he had these little streaks of air that w- were embedded in the soft tissue of his neck. Oh so the force God. of his sneeze ruptured his throat and like blasted these like air into his soft tissue, creating these little tiny bubbles. That is disgusting. What is yeah. the remedy? Time? Well, they, yeah, time. I think maybe they had to sew something. They didn't put the details in, but they said after a week... 
he in the hospital, which like seriously a week. That is insane. Um, for a he had full recovery. Injury. Oh, he had to. They, I did read in in an article that they had to put a feeding tube down his throat. Sarah, so he had to eat for yes, Suze. From holding it in a sneeze. So you know how like when we heard about the poop knife, and I was just like, who has poops big enough that they need to cut it up before they flush? But then, you know, I had a son and now I know who. And so, like, this is my same feeling about these sneezes. It's like, this is a man situation, but I do it. What the hell? You think you are at risk of injury? That's how loud you sneeze? No, I'm not at risk of injury from sneezing. But I think anybody is at risk of injury if they hold in that air and a sneeze is so powerful that it can. I mean, I guess the force of a sneeze. Did he say why he was holding it in so forcefully? No. (laughs) Like, was he in church or what? You know how fast a sneeze is? How fast? 80 miles an hour. I don't know. Oh, that's very fast. 40. 40 miles an hour? Yeah. Yeah. That's And disgusting. the discharge from it can go up to 20 feet. That is sick. See? See? I'm doing, I'm doing people favor when in. I hold it. Yeah. But yeah, I think you, you should you, keep doing that. You should not. You should keep doing definitely it. Definitely let it rip. No. Hold it in everybody. Oh, my gosh. Susie's giving bad medical advice. Why should I have to suffer? Because you have weird, disgusting sneezes. <laughs> I wish you guys could see Sarah's face. I have regular ones. I did not uh, my, you. My I don't family. Mean you. I mean, oh right, collectively. But I'm the one who holds it in. You should. My sneezes are fine. They're actually adorable because I I have this weird tick where after I sneeze I make a noise. I think you guys are everybody all in my family. Shit. Matt laughs at me for it, so I think that's why I started holding in my sneeze because then I don't do that. Okay, well, I'm glad you don't do that because I think women that do that are full of shit. I have this friend, Cassie, I'm calling you out right now. No, these ladies oh. that do the old thing that at the end, you're full of shit. You're doing that on purpose because you think it feminizes your disgusting sneeze. That's what okay. I'm saying right now. Suze, this is interesting. I, I think, yeah, it becomes like a habit because maybe you can train it, train it out. I don't know, train that habit Do you away. make that noise? I, it's like I a hate you. hapachoo. Oh. Oh, for Pete's sake, Sarah. And I I did it when I was little, a little kid. That's not like, as bad as some of the ladies who are like... No, I don't do like, oh. No, I don't do that. You're That's lying. Silly. It is a lie that they're doing. And I hate them. And I want... But I do have to make a noise. It's like, up choo <laughs> I turned into <laughs> that now. You're now that I have kind to do of that. love. Like, I have to do something. And it is a up choo Like, like that no man story. ever, oh, just has the ghost. Oh, yeah. Suze, what is this? I'm Betty gonna Boop? blow your mind with what I'm about to tell, me, tell you tell because me. this that was the the appetizer. Oh God, I'm scared. To what is the the main course of of brainy facts that I can't fucking believe <laughs> we didn't know or haven't talked about in 669 nice. episodes. <laughs> yeah. People who are deaf do not make a noise. What do you mean? I mean exactly what I said. And a chew is not <laughs> universal. People who are deaf do not make a sound when they sneeze. What do they do? They it's like just fucking Charlie Chaplin silent film. Uh, 
It's just they a just... sneeze as it, it, it says for deaf people, a sneeze is what it should be. Something that just happens. It's an achoo-free sneeze. So they just go <laughs> like that. Hmm. Sarah, I don't stop. know. Because that is a good question. But there was an article that was written by... Well, And first of all, I should say that the woman who wrote this article for BBC is named Emma Tracy. And she is partially deaf. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, they wanted to make sure. The article, article written by a partially deaf journalist. And um, this is coming from somebody else who made a list of the top 10 annoying habits of hearing people. Yes. And one of, but, and it's by uh, somebody who's I'm so deaf. into this. And they said one of them is that fucking noise. Yeah, that people all of make it. Because you don't need to do it. And it's mm-hmm. not universal. So in, oh, I just clicked the link and now I can't get back to it. I want to get back to the one. I'm so happy right now. Any of you weirdos need, who make that high pitched noise. like this. Let's fight right now. In <laughs> in France, in France, a sneeze is a t c h o u m, a chom. I like that. And in Japan, nice. it's hakashun. Oh my H-A-K-A-S-H-U-N. gosh! H a k a s h u n. And in the Philippines, they say ha ching. <laughs> I can't take it. It's not even universal. That I can believe. That makes sense because it's kind of like um. You know how we say yeah. cats meow? That's not universal either. You know, like, it's not exact. Which also blew my mind. And <laughs> I couldn't really, uh, like, I, I'm like, uh, 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 what are you saying? <laughs> I bet you I that don't... moo is, though. Moo's got to be, because that's what they do. Moo. And... <laughs> <laughs> Please, can we get the video for that? That was my favorite. Susie, that was a great cow impression. <laughs> I'm just saying that I get how that is culture dependent. Yes. It's their cultural habits that we just pick up along the way. Yeah. And then there's gendered ones with you high-pitched weirdos. And we add other words to it. You know, we usually like gazoomtire, bless you. And so when you take away the language, you kind of take away the sound of the achoo and the sneeze. I would like to see what, um, or see slash hear what a sneeze from somebody who's deaf sounds like. Yeah, me too. I bet it's on YouTube. I'll have a look. I yeah. see. We're always learning things, and that's what I love, and that's also why I love MasterClass because yes. I'm addicted to MasterClass. People, I feel like if you can have these aha moments yes. that blow your mind. All the time. All the time. Which I think of them as brain orgasms. So go ahead. <laughs> Here are some. I just want to name some of the classes that you can choose. And yes. and like what we're encouraging you to do is signing up. So you have you can watch all of them. You can watch John Len- Legend teach songwriting. You could so get, uh, oh my gosh, Chris Jenner teaches power of personal branding. And let me tell you, Chris Jenner nose branding. Oh yeah. I just got goosebumps. Yeah. (laughs) That woman, she's the only member of that family that I actually enjoy and she knows her stuff. Mariah Carey teaches using the voice as an instrument, which is so important for everybody, not just for singers, because 
we obviously use our voices in business and all kinds of ways in terms of relationships. And she teaches you how to be in control of how you speak and, and sing. Um, there's Gordon Ramsay cooking, and you guys know I love David Sedaris's writing um, class. But it's just the lifelong learning that we all love and encourage. And this is the gift that you can give to anybody because there's classes for anybody's interests. We highly recommend you check it out. This holiday, give the perfect gift of an annual Masterclass membership and get one free. Ooh. Go to masterclass.com slash candy today. That's masterclass.com slash candy. Terms apply. So it's masterclass.com slash candy. And that, buy one, get one free. You kidding me? You give a gift and you get one. We know I love that. We love a BOGO. Give one for you, get one for me. It's so great. I'm going to uh, put on our Instagram all the ones that I love so you guys can see, but they're, they have a million. Anyway, okay, Sarah, as you are. Uh, you want to hear some things on that list of annoying things or like just hear what the guy said? His name's Charlie Swinborn, and he wrote um, 10 Annoying Habits of Hearing People. Yes, and yes. The, this is um, the, what he called faking sneezes. He says, perhaps the biggest hearing deception of all, while deaf people sneeze naturally, hearing people feel compelled to add sound effects in the form of that achoo noise. Also, they could be more socially acceptable. Stop thinking you're a better person because you achoo, my friend. Sneeze organically. Sneeze fair trade. Sneeze is God intended. Yes. I love that. Um, One of the other things that he said that I thought you would like, um, he said, hearing people need to stop being too subtle. Uh, if a deaf person thinks I've put on weight, they tell me there's no place to hide with sign language. They point at me, they puff out their cheeks, and then they their hands track a big round shape where their tummy is. And then I could see just how much weight I've gained. Despite the initial awkwardness, I know that in that moment, I need to maybe take care of myself and look at myself in the mirror. Um, but if a hearing person thinks I become a bit thick in the tum, they do everything they can to hide it. They look me up and down, do a few mental calculations, and then they say, you're looking well. Looking well, well, that means you've put on a few pounds, mate, and don't, uh, you know it and they know it, so why can't they say it? This that makes me wonder if, you know how, like, over time, language evolves and changes. And so, like, yeah. certain ways of speaking become antiquated and sometimes offensive. Um, you know, like words for disabilities and stuff, they evolve. Yeah. And even race. So, like, mm-hmm. do you think that they change them in um, American Sign Language? That is a very, very good question. Because what he's describing, I would think that would be seen as fat shaming. And that they would need to maybe change the way they sign if it's so obvious that they mean like some sort of like stigma. It's interesting. But then I did you see the the movie? I can't remember the name of it. Where the guy who's deaf won best supporting actor. It was so I didn't see fucking. It. Oh, Susie! I know it Coda, so, right? Coda, Coda. Yeah. It was so good. Yeah, it's on my list. I'm getting there. And the deaf community are some of the most amazing communicators Yeah, for not having the normal means to communicate with, like a voice. Mm-hmm. Like so good at communicating. And so that kind of expression and animation, I think maybe is put, like put off or offensive to some, but in, in a way it just feels like uh, like a very... 
Uh, maybe you're right. Like authentic or like kind of way of communicating and very expressive. But you'd ha- you'd have to ask somebody who. Yeah, is- I would love to because it sounds like they are, maybe they interpret it as this is just literally what we mean. Yeah, you're bigger than you were. Yes. So the the sign is okay. Whereas this is that um, sign. yeah, like verbal language can be stigmatizing in maybe ways that um, signs can't. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Remember, I and learned like, ASL and then I had to drop out because of the incident. I'm going to need you to refresh my <laughs> Remember, I went to the school for the deaf to learn ASL. And then one of the boys that lived there got real into me. And he would <gasps> call me on TTY, which is the telephone system. This was oh, before yes. texting. Yeah. <laughs> he wasn't inappropriate or anything, but I right. was so young and I was just very, like, it was a lot. It was very... It was a lot. Uh, yeah. forward because they were just so psyched that like a girl their age would want to learn sign language. I can see why they yeah. were so yeah. excited, but it, I would go in and I would be like bombarded with teenage men, boys, like 18 year old yeah. boy, boys. <laughs> and it was scary. And I was like, well, you know what? I don't want to learn sign language that much, <laughs> <laughs> oh, but I am gosh. sad because it's such a beautiful language. Yeah, it really is. And it's just, yeah, it's like a different way of, of speaking. And I, I love that, you know, even that movie Coda, that you can understand everything that he's saying and the emotion, exactly how he feels. Mm-hmm. I just, even without knowing ASL. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Um, what else bothered him, though? Because I want to know. Some of the other things. Okay, we talked about being too subtle. Uh, looking <laughs> away while communicating. Hearing people do a lot of looking away. Like they are looking at their phones. They're glancing at something else. They just mm. stare at it. They don't like, they need your, they don't really give the attention that he is looking for. Okay. He says, we give our full attention. Why don't you well, give us I mean, yours? to be fair, it's because they're using their eyes and we aren't always using them. Yeah. But fair point. Fair point. Yeah. Right. Um, this was interesting. He said, uh, he put down singing in tune, but through like in the article, he said what he's really talking about is don't point out how we can't sing in tune. Like, let us sing along. Don't tell us how bad we sound. Don't act like we shouldn't even open our mouths in, for fear of offending your precious ears. Don't whatever you do, pretend to like proceed to sing the tune and then show us how it should be done. You know, we're deaf. We wear hearing aids. We're never going to be good singers. Accept it. Cover your ears and just let us have a moment. Can you imagine saying that to a deaf person, that they don't sing well enough? Could you imagine? <laughs> God. Right. Okay. Maybe this guy is just like writing this to like one asshole at the office. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because that would be mm-hmm. real, real. I was going to say tone deaf, but I shouldn't. But it is. Yeah. I mean, right. it's offensive. Right. Yeah. Uh, ten, uh, number 10 on the list is shouting at that. At, them yeah i bet they get that a lot like come on stop mumbling and covering your mouth or looking around the room just look at me maybe slow down a bit and whatever you do don't start shouting at me please it's embarrassing it doesn't help me to understand you and it makes me feel a bit scared oh my god okay good to know yeah. so yeah just some fun ones i was i i uh wasn't even going to t- tell you about that but when i saw the thing on um uh you know, about like rupturing your throat with a sneeze and then clicked on the sneeze thing about like yes, the noise we made. that's so interesting. It fucking blew my mind mm-hmm. to think that that is cultural and not 
universal. Because mm-hmm. a chew sounds like the right thing. But then I'm sure everybody in Japan is like, no, it don't. It's a ching, lady. Yeah, that's the Philippines. But oh, Philippines. Yeah. Ha ching. <laughs> What's the one in wherever you just said? Um, oh, I, I forget it. that I one. clicked off That's of okay. It. Well, yeah. no matter what language you're speaking, I highly recommend uh, Trumi phones. Mm-hmm. And this is, if you know or have a child, you have got to get them a Trumi phone um, for the holidays because this is the phone that allows the parents to be in the driver's seat. So you don't have to worry that they're looking at some sort of wackadoo porno scandalousness oh, or God, it's terrible talking to predators or bullies. The parents are in the driver's seat so that you have this portal. You can decide uh, what apps they use that are all vetted and safe. You can monitor their texting. So you can see what they're saying and who they're saying it so to, good. which is real yep. peace of mind, especially if you have a young child, because they all want phones now really young. Like my son is yeah. only 10 and he was begging for a phone. And this was the way that I felt comfortable because it was like, yeah. I'm not getting And they're one. happy because it doesn't look like some preschool little like yeah. play phone. This yeah. is like the real deal. Yeah, this is a real deal smartphone that is super fancy and nice, but won't, you know have them talking to weirdos and it's just great i know i was talking to weirdos and right. i like i could We're lucky to I be alive it. right I'm like oh it's safe browsing it's they will not get spam calls and i'm so thankful that they have given us a code so if you go to um trumi.com slash brain candy that's t-r-o-o-m-i.com slash brain candy and then use our code candy You'll get $75 off the purchase of any Trumi device. And they have a whole uh, range. They have a collection of ones. You can pick which one you like. But no matter what you choose, you get $75 off with code CANDY at Trumi.com slash BrainCandy. Um, okay. I feel like we have time for one more. Yes? Yes. What do I want to talk about? What do I, uh, first of all, this I wrote down in my notes to talk about because... I can't believe that you and I have not talked about this. R.I.P. Leslie Jordan. <sighs> Suze. I'm so mad. I'm so mad. I can cry thinking about it. I cannot believe that we never talked about this personally, like outside of the podcast I know, that's or on so the podcast. True. I can't believe it because Susie got me a Leslie Jordan uh, uh, sweatshirt yeah. last year for Christmas. Yes. Not two years ago, maybe. It was during a. a quarantine yeah because you know hi all y'all hi all y'all hunker downers <laughs> hi y'all how y'all doing and when when pandemic started he had a hundred thousand followers and when he died he had five million. Oh my like this God. was a i mean guy. he is a national treasure yeah he touched us and he changed lives because he was really a he was a galvanizing force during this really scary time for people. And he made you feel like it's okay and let's keep laughing because we don't know what's going to happen, but we might as well have some fun while we're doing it. He was like the grown up Mr. Rogers. Like it yeah. was like we needed like it was like adult version of like something that just feels like a warm hug yeah. at, from like somebody we could trust who was like, you know, kind of a little raunchy and fu- Mr. Rogers and like that. That's why I said to the grown up person. Yeah. Like the adult version. Yeah, where he had and irreverence. It was just, yeah, and it was just like, I cannot believe. 
Yeah. Yet. Um, let me tell you some of my favorite things about Wesley. This is my yes. like own little eulogy. It's so tribute. Um, Leslie Jordan was four feet eleven. Okay, this is a small fella, and you know, gay as a three dollar bill. And <laughs> and just delightful from the south. So he had that endearing accent. And he this think of in the nineteen fifties, right? Leslie wow. was born to a dad in the military. Oh my god! And he said he was three years old, and he went to a wedding, and like his parents were worried because he was like acting up, and then. That bride emerges, and he says he was like a pointer dog, and he, like, zeroed in on her and, like, was transfixed by this, like, beautiful woman in this gorgeous dress, and he became obsessed with weddings and brides, and so for that Christmas, he begged and begged and begged for a bride doll, and his dad was like, we are not getting him that damn doll. And you can Mm. understand, like, at that time and with that kind of a dad, like, Mm -hmm. nobody wants to get their three-year-old son a bride doll. And so the mom was like, well, we'll see what happens. Maybe he'll forget about it. All month long, he didn't forget about it. He kept talking about it. Christmas Eve came, and the mom was like, I don't know what we're going to do because he still wants that bride doll. And I'll be damned if that dad didn't go out and get him that doll. Oh, I've got to cry. I know. When that he told that story, that, I was you know, like, that's Come kind on. of like old Hollywood gossip. Yeah. You just want the song. <laughs> I do. Yes, it is. Because this was back in the day. And you, I cannot imagine what that felt like for that dad. But he loved his son enough to let him be himself. And that thank so God, important. because he blessed 5 million people. Right. He really did. Mm-hmm. And isn't it like kind of beautiful that like the timing of it's very spiritual and angelic yeah well like i've done my piece and like i mean of course he had so much more to do it's like always we know how we were saying like when is it tragic yeah always especially if it's like yeah you know yeah because he was in his 60s but my god everyone felt like he was so full of life and he had so much Mm. left to do and and he, as a good Southern boy, like he was very, uh, spiritual. He had just put out an album of, uh, gospel songs. Oh, I mean, this was a guy who, I, that gives mm. me peace is knowing that like he had made uh peace with like his faith and who he was. Yeah. That's a beautiful yeah. thing. A beautiful, beautiful thing. Yeah. But so, my yeah. God, Fuck. I know, and I can't believe we we like, hadn't talked about it. <laughs> I know you're probably like, okay, Sue, sorry, sorry, I brought this up. But I keep thinking about it because yeah. he was really a special person. No, I'm glad we brought it up because I I love that story and I didn't know that about him and you know he just made me so happy and so yeah, like yeah. I mean, you know what? Here's a little. I just yeah. here's some gossip because. Mm -hmm. I'm always intrigued by, like, Hollywood dynamics. And um, at the time of his death, he only followed 
um, Sean Hayes from Will and Grace, which is the Jack Ooh. character. Yes, but yeah. almost all his scenes were oh. with, right? <laughs> almost all his scenes were okay. with Megan Mullally, and I'm yeah. very intrigued by that. It could mean nothing. It could be. No- it could mean nothing. But I do. I'm like, hmm, interesting, because mm. you know. You'd think that they would have gotten the closest, but maybe because Jack's a man and he, and Leslie's a man, they had more time together on set yeah. or something. Who knows? Or it's nothing, yeah. but I just am like, what? Who's the sexy guy from American Horror Story that Leslie Jordan has a big old crush on and he always does I don't like, know, but that's hilarious. Oh, I'm going to send you so many videos, Suze. It's great. He's like obsessed with them and he always like makes... And then... Is he oh, gay? This fucking guy is. No. Oh. Plays into <laughs> it. He's like, oh, this one's for Leslie. And like he like totally like, gets into it and, and feeds the whole. I'm sad though that Leslie you know. never got married. Maybe he didn't want to, but like he never found a partner. In fact, mm-hmm. when he was hunkering down and making all those videos for us, he was with his mom who's still with us, I believe. And so I'm sad for her. What? I think she. No. Yeah, I think she's in her 80s. Yeah, I think so. And that's real sad. Oh, my goodness. That's really sad. Yeah, because, you know, like I said, he was still so young. and yeah. But he was gray-haired, so, like, it's almost like he could have yeah, been any I, age. I, I feel, right. In my mind, I was like, wasn't he 80? I don't even know. <laughs> like, I have no idea. He could have been th- 40. He could have totally. been Totally. No idea. Yeah. Um. Okay, I have one last thing as, like, a final uh because uh, I can't end on like a, just a sad Leslie Jordan dying. Note. No, um, this was like a, a good tip that I got. I read this article about how the workers at Starbucks are uh, uh, striking, yeah. and uh, as they should because like they're they get treated like crap. Yeah, and so it was uh, some advice from a holiday uh, coffee barista person especially with drive-thrus said the pay it forward yeah, a bunch of bullshit it's a bunch of bullshit yeah. i feel like i had to do this psa yeah on here yeah that that causes more problems for them and it be- makes it more difficult than anything else and what you should really be doing is just if somebody does that to you just tip the just throw an extra tip in on to- did you Susie ever yeah <laughs> did you already have that happen to you You've been no, because I don't really frequent Starbucks. Oh, okay, I've had that happen to me. Mostly because I'm cheap. <laughs> no, I mean I just make it at home and put it in my mug and drive around with my mug. Well, that's good. I like that, and that's better for the environment. So keep doing that. Yeah. But yeah. I did have that happen to me once, and it was heartwarming. But it did feel mm-hmm. like, what do I do now, and right. what's the right thing to do? And that's what the art. The article that I saw said it was just like just yeah. tip the barista. I do not, and that's like the least amount of effort you have to even put forward. Like pay it forward in its true like sense, like that book and sure. like you know how it was really started was like real action. Yeah, not just like hey, I don't want to keep pennies in my pocket. Throw them <laughs> to the next guy. Yeah, right. Can it? Can We're it. on to I'm, you, people. I'm done with that. We're on to you. Okay. So a few things then is, first of all, may we all like honor Leslie's, uh, you know, legacy by finding the joy in like life's hardships and everything. I'm going to bust that, that sweatshirt out. Yeah. Bust it out. 
Because yeah, I know right where that is. It's a good reminder. And then I <laughs> I wanted to get Sarah this gift for Christmas. And then I was like, this is so good that we need to just partner with them. And so I'm revealing it now, which is, Woo! okay, so there's this company called Keepster. And oh, Keepster makes it so that you can take your favorite, like, text messages and, yes. like, photos and everything, like, you have about your friendship or your relationship with your your loved one, and you can turn it into like a keepsake, like a, you know, a photo book or whatever. Well, I love this. I love it too. So like, I love the idea that you can put your favorite texts because like there are some hilarious exchanges. Gold. (laughs) Right. Whenever Sarah was getting divorced, there was this whole dust up where her ex like subpoenaed my company. And yeah. and Sarah, I'm gonna need every single text message you ever exchanged between you and Susie and Adam. I'm like, okay. So like, we kept laughing about like all the texts he was gonna read because whatever we didn't care. But like, it's these silly moments that provide levity and meaning to your relationships, and now you can document them through okay the Keepster app. Here's how it works: like, you download the app onto your computer, and then you choose your favorite texts or photos, emojis, inside, inside jokes, anything you want, and then Keepster does the rest, and then they you get this adorable cool. keepsake. And the books start at just $12.99, so this isn't, like, cost prohibitive oh, or anything. Great. It's so great, and I just want people to use it. It's an affordable way to create an amazing holiday gift, and they gave us a deal because we harassed them. Um, it's a truly one-of-a-kind gift, and... Like, we live and share so much of our lives on our phones. Now you can save what's special with Keepster. So if you have an iPhone, head to keepster.co slash candy and put in promo code candy for 25% off. That's keepster.co slash candy and use code candy for 25% off. One last time, keepster.co slash candy for 25% off. This is a great gift. Yeah, I'll still get so it for good. you, Sarah, but, like, now you know. Yes. So, like, it's not a surprise. I'll act surprised. And then... um now I'm going to introduce our interview, which is Michael Sweet from the band Striper. They're still performing and touring. I saw them in Pittsburgh this year, but they go all around the U.S. And if you grew up in the 80s, you probably know one of their hits. Honestly, was a huge power ballad hit. Um, and... I think he has a lot of interesting things to say about what it was like in that time period when you were like in that weird world of like Christian contemporary music, but like you were trying to be super hardcore and whatever. And also special thanks to my brother, Paul, who, you know, is like heavy metal guy and also hilarious. And we're so thankful that he came on the show. So welcome Paul and Michael Sweet to the show. Okay, Paul, welcome to Brain Candy Podcast. Um, Here's what I want to know. We're going to be interviewing Michael Sweet from Striper, and I asked you to participate because you're an aficionado of the band. You, you've always been a big fan, and you know a lot about them. Big fan. Do you remember the first time you ever heard them, like on the radio or wherever? Yes, of course. <laughs> you don't forget life-changing events like that. Right. Well, what happened? 
well, like, were it you didn't like... make sense to my ears. I'm hearing what was the exact kind of music that I loved, but with lyrics that our mother would approve of. <laughs> that's what I was hearing. At the same time, it didn't make any sense. Did that sort of like in any way ruin it for you? Because you're a young guy. And so, you know, you want to rebel against your parents. Was it like, oh, no. gosh, no, you no, liked no, it. No, no, because no, I was looking for that. And, you know, you can only hear Debbie Boone's You Light Up My Life so often before you go, I need something <laughs> a little more heavy than that. <laughs> Out of nowhere, Striper comes plowing through with the heaviest music that a heavy metal lover could have to hear in the Christian world. And, and it was literally on a Christian radio station that uh, where I first heard it, they would, uh, I think it was Saturday nights, they would play rock, Christian rock. But in it, and they, there was some that was good, but, <laughs> you know, none of it even closely compared to the talent level of Striper. So I didn't want to rebel. I wasn't trying to rebel. I was trying to find something that fit with what I believed lyrically but also was good <laughs> like you know well because that's the thing like a lot of um christian artists i feel like choose to be christian artists because they couldn't make it in like a right. bigger pool right and in this case it is not true that no. their talent is equal or or, or surpasses their right. peers but they still chose to talk about jesus right if anything, it's the reverse. Their talent level is so superior to what they have achieved, you know, uh, in record sales. Yeah. Because their message has a, a finite audience. There, there could be an unlimited number of people that might be willing to listen to, say, Def Leppard. But... If you take uh, the music and plug in Bible verses, then you've limited who might want to hear that. Right. So, so it was the reverse for me. Do you think too, and I want to ask him this, um, he talks in his book about the outfits that they wore, the black and gold, which yeah. were, you know, very memorable. Yeah. Um, and he didn't like them, he says in the book. Do you think right. he feels that it undermined their talent and made them more of a spectacle yes yeah and he'd be right they it did do that but at the same time you know like that's like you're looking back at all those years ago but back then that, that's that's what you kind of had to do in that genre I, I didn't like it myself I did like that if you're going to have a color scheme you know you know, being from Pittsburgh, those are the colors that choose. Yeah, true. But you know, it, don't do that. No, and they have they wear only black now. It seems right. <laughs> <laughs> they eliminated the offending color. Right, 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 right. Well, no, I I definitely would would never forget all of that when I first heard it. And that and that. So they had the first album, Yellow and Black Attack, which was the one that I was talking about. However, like, you know how it goes. Like, maybe that was a one-time thing. Maybe somebody's going to get a hold of them and not let them do that anymore, either from the Christian world or from the metal world. So we're not combining those two things. Mm -hmm. They think Reese's peanut butter cups where it's chocolate and peanut butter and they go great together. 
this is totally different thing. So when soldiers under command came up, I, that's the moment for me when when that guitar part for the first single, Soldiers Under Command, whew, that was not only awesome, but a, a, a relief because it was as heavy as you could get, super heavy way to start a song. And, and then it showed me that they, they weren't giving up on, on either end. The music, still heavy as ever. The lyrics, still Christian as ever. Did you feel that, let's say when we were at Jurgles in uh, Pittsburgh, did you yeah. feel that the experience watching them live is, um, I don't know, spiritual or transcendent in any way? Or is it, it just was. a typical, it was? Yeah, it was, but on several different levels, obviously, because I could say the exact same thing about a Rush concert. It's a religious experience, but here we're talking about actual Christian uh, message also. So, but, but there, so there's two different things that were, were that way for me. And, and I guess actually three things, because it's the, the transcendence of time where they just keep doing it. Mm. And, uh, you know, over and over and over all these years later, they're still doing it and they're better than ever. So that, that to me almost speaks of eternity because, you know, the, the normal uh, trend of things is to, you know, kind of when you get to a certain, you know, over the hill, as they call it, when you get over the hill, you're not going to keep going, you know, you're not going to go up the hill anymore. You're going down the hill. But they, yeah. they're better than yeah so so that part of it was kind of like a spiritual thing for me was just to see you know there is uh ways to not have to surrender to the forces of the world such as you know even something like as simple as gravity where you know you know you have to you have to fight against it because it's easy to slouch in your chair mm-hmm. when you, when you would when you if you sitting up straight would be better stuff like that so uh, yeah, but it was spiritual in the in the sense that they're still trying to. Um, I, I, in fact, I said to my to Livia when we're when we're um, my daughter. I said, uh, you know, what are the likelihood that these kind of lyrics have ever been sung here at Jurgles before? I mean, other than right, that is good point. So, so I like that that they're doing. Yeah, I mean, they're doing it in a place where if you believe those words, that's a place where you would, they need to be heard. I mean, if you could go, you could do that concert in a church, I guess, but almost everybody there has heard that. So that's kind of a spiritual thing for me. And then, but also just because the musical talent, like that is what what moves me. Like, Mm. and that's why I mentioned Rush, because with the, with just the three members of that band making all that noise and all that completely complicated musicianship. Yeah. It's it's the same thing, even though Rush isn't singing a Christian message. I was just watching this interview with Rick Rubin, who's a famous music producer. And he was talking about how there is something about music that like is the fast track into your soul that like you could get there other ways, maybe like poetry or whatever, but that yeah. music is just like, just goes directly to your soul. And so if you do have a spiritual or religious message of some kind, it yeah. stands to reason that that would be an effective tool. 
Right. Yeah. Well, and and uh, and uh, he he's is he religious? No. Yeah. Right. So even he's saying that it's true. Right. And, and he would know right. he's super successful. And know. when you were over my house and you were like, what was your, why was the Brian Wilson concert? So yeah. great. Like explain it, but you yes. already know because you've had those experiences right. with Raj and other bands where it's just like, it feels miraculous in some way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But I didn't get it with, with him because you know, it's the beach boys. Yeah. <laughs> but then you, that's what you said was it's because pet sounds or, or yeah. whatever. Yeah. yeah were complicated like that mm-hmm. but it's singing about you know bikinis or whatever they say. right so it's not matching up but 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 yes and then i i do get it michael thank you so much for coming on brain candy we're so happy to have you um a thank couple you. weeks ago my brother and my whole family and i went to see you in outside of pittsburgh at jurgles and it was phenomenal and we were just talking about how two of the things that I noticed were the enthusiasm of the crowd and the unbelievable skill, musicianship, and talent that has not deteriorated in any way. It's what overwhelming. Is your, what is your secret? You guys are being super, super generous with your uh, compliments today. <laughs> and that's very kind of you. Uh, you know, I'll tell you, it, I don't really have an answer for that in terms of a secret. I mean, we, I can tell you that we work really hard. Uh, and of course, I'm sure all other bands work uh, equally as hard, but I, I'd like to think that we work a little bit harder. Uh, we, I'm one of those guys when we get together for rehearsals, uh, you know, instead of booking three or four or five days for rehearsals at Soundcheck or SIR, I'm that guy that wants to book two weeks, you know, and everyone thinks I'm crazy. And we kind of meet in the middle somewhere. We compromise. So it's usually, you know, seven, eight, nine days versus just a few. We could probably get enough rehearsal in in those few days. But I just like to, uh, you know, dot all I's and cross all T's and go the extra mile to sound as good as we possibly can. And I, I guess that's probably one answer. Uh, another answer is we still love what we do. I mean, and I hope that shows we really, really still enjoy what we do, even though we're getting older and it's more of a struggle sometimes to do what we do. We love it. So I think that comes through and across in the show and in the performances on, on the albums and live. Do you think your commitment to excellence is because you see this as a calling? I think that that's absolutely a very large part of it, for sure. Mm-hmm. It, it, it is, and it is a calling. And with that calling comes responsibility. And I feel like we are a little bit more responsible to give our best and do our best. But also, it's just a, a matter of, you know, I, I don't keep, mean to keep using the word I, 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 but um, I am my personality, I'm very um, OCD and ADHD. And I talk about that all the time. Never knew I was ADHD until uh, I was diagnosed with that. But it's, it's actually something that a lot of professionals uh, have to deal with. And it really drives them to achieve the best. And that's how I am. I'm I'm an overachiever and, uh, you know, uh, 
I, I love to work when I'm sitting still, I, I kind of lose my mind. And I think that that really helps drive the, the machine and operate the machine. And, and that's how I'm built. But yeah, there's so many different things that go into that. And certainly the calling is a big part of it for sure. Michael, uh, about that diagnosis, I read your autobiography. And at the time, I had been married. Yes, <laughs> the autobiography titled, honestly, <laughs> so beautifully titled. But I had been married for uh, almost 30 years at that point. And when you mentioned that you didn't realize you had that condition until the, you were in your 40s, I didn't know that, that that could be true. And your willingness to share that has helped me be able to care for my wife. Because I didn't know she, she had that. I, it, it didn't make sense to me, certain things in her behavior. And I certainly thought if she had something like that, I would have known or she would have known. So I want to thank you for helping me to be able to care for my wife. Oh, that's awesome. Man, it, if I can help someone, I'm, I'm a very, everybody knows this, I'm a very upfront guy. That's and, for sure. And, and I just, that's just how I am. I don't do it to be uh, mean-spirited or stir the pot or controversial. It's just who I am. You know, if you ask me, you know, did you do this today? If I did it, no matter how bad it is, I'll say, yeah, actually I did. You know, and, and people would go, oh, <laughs> it's just how I am. Uh, it, but, you know, with the ADHD thing, I just always viewed it as I had trouble focusing on my my biggest issue is focusing on day to day tasks. Right. So, yeah. So when my if my wife has a, a, a honey to do list and can you do this, this, this and that. At the end of the day, usually I've done one thing out of five or six because oh I just can't focus on stuff. Or, you know, I go, I talked about this. I go to hang a, a, a picture on my studio wall, put my hammer down, come back. I can't find my hammer. Oh. I go look at the picture, put the picture down, come back. And then at the end of the day, the picture never got hung. The hammer never got found. And I'm doing something I didn't plan on doing. You know what I mean? Um, that's me in a nutshell. But at the same time, when it comes to music, I hyper-focus. Mm -hmm. That's where hyper-focus comes in. And I'm able to hyper-focus and, and spend three months on an album, 12 hours a day, and get it done. And people say, how did you do that? Because of that, you know? Well, it pays <laughs> off. I mean, you're clearly using the way that you were made to create wonderful art. So however it happens. It's beautiful. I don't even get it. It's you. You were you, Striper is better than ever. Hey, by the way, just no for real. I, I, when you said we were being kind, from what you were saying, no, we're, we are understating it, Michael. Maybe yeah. you're just too humble to realize. The thing is, up until Jurgles the other night, I had been to four Striper concerts and four Rush concerts, and that's the most I had been to any. Wow. But now Striper is over <laughs> the limit. Five is my record. But I just want to say that. I'm just saying that because I remember seeing you in the 80s, and you were awesome, obviously, really good. But 
clearly in contrast you you are even better and it's not even close wow so i'll tell you i think that we as we've gotten a little older i think that we've kind of honed our skills a little bit more and we've really uh learned how to do what we do you know uh it's 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 refined Mm -hmm. i and in the early days, it wasn't as refined. It was more raw. And some people liked that. But it was more uh, young and raw, energetic, maybe. Uh, but, you know, uncontrolled often. I think with the new Striper, it's more controlled. And we know what we want. And everything's locked in more. And, and everybody knows what they're doing and so on. Uh, but, you know, I watch this back on YouTube. I'll go watch footage from that show in particular and I'll watch it and I cringe. I mean, I'm like, to me, we always sound bad and I'm, I'm, I'm being sincere. Wow. That's, that's, you know, I'll pick out little things like, Oh, that solo was good. Or, Oh, that was good. Or, Oh, wow. Robert did a cool fill right there. I'll pick out things that I love, but for the most part, I always think that we can always sound way better. I never think we sound good enough. And maybe that's part of the drive uh-huh. That helps us to get better. I don't know. I really right. don't know. Right, right, right. Well, initially, I reached out to your people when I had heard about the um, funding for the documentary that was happening. And I was curious to know if that's still happening, the documentary, and what, why you thought you had a story that would be good to tell in that format. Sure. Um, yes, absolutely. The documentary is still scheduled. It's just we haven't really dove into the deep end yet and, and got that rolling like we want. We're, we're, we're trying. We're, we're still talking to uh, companies uh, to work with. And that's really the most important part. Once we mm. lock that in, then it's going to move forward very quickly. Uh, but we did say a two-year process, and we're not quite a year into that process. So it's it's definitely coming. It's going to be amazing. The focus on that documentary and the most important part of it, you know, most rock and roll band docs are just that, footage of the band, history of the band, which is all great. Everyone wants to hear and see that. But we'll have some of that. You know, there's no doubt And uh, you'll see a lot of that in the documentary, but the most important part of the documentary is going to be to focus on three, maybe four fans whose lives have been altered through and by the band, the ministry, the ministry of the band. So people who were, you know, uh, one guy, for example, who was literally, you know, drug ridden and uh, alcohol and, and, suicidal and, and his life got turned around to build this amazing company and this church and and you know stories like that where you just say wow and it's it's all because they came to the striper show and literally committed their hearts and their lives to christ and it's like pretty mind-blowing when you when you're when you're going to hear that story from that person i think it's going to be as powerful as it gets and that's important mm-hmm. to us to tell those stories it must be heartening to you too, because I'm sure there are days. I mean, I was just reading to Paul how on the last page of your book, you mentioned that sometimes you feel trapped by the band that they're, you know, it can feel like stifling. 
And then there's other days when you feel very inspired and whatever. And I'm sure that those stories contribute to those good days, right? Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, again, you know, I'm a very open person. A lot of people kind of keep that stuff to themselves and, and hold it in and stay private. And that's all great. But I'm just one of those guys that it's therapeutic for me to talk about it. It's not about throwing anybody under the bus. But when I say things like that, like, you know, I feel trapped sometimes. I do. Uh, you know, it, it's and what I mean by that is, you know, uh, there are things that I'd like to do in this life and in this world that I can't do. It, because of the band hmm. that's not necessarily a bad thing it's just the way it is you know if i want to go out and do this with my wife or i want to go do that or i want to work on this or work on that or, or maybe even something that has nothing to do with music most of the time i can't do it because we got to go do this and we got to go do that and got an album and a video and a tour and blah blah blah, blah. And it's just non-stop striper which is fantastic and at the end of the day, I always remind myself how important that is because we're not just the band writing music. It's not just about the song, but it's about the lives that are affected by the message and the music. And that's why we started and that's why we will end. And that's why we continue on because we're here for a different cause, you know, for a much bigger cause. And that's to reach people. That's beautiful. That is. Hey, speaking of that, have you ever sung a uh, one of your own lyrics uh, specifically, maybe in Yahweh or more than a man where you almost or maybe even have been brought to tears like you're overwhelmed by the meaning of what you're singing? Yeah, that has happened before. That happened. It really has where I listen to a song and, you know, or, or, or even a performance, you know, uh, and it's brought me to tears. And it, it might not just be based on the song or the performance, but maybe a memory that goes with that. You hmm. know, that that has happened before. Certainly. Um, it, it absolutely. And I'm not a man of many tears, but boy, when I do shed tears, I shed a lot. <laughs> right on. Hey, hey, that, that you know that shirt you were wearing at Jurgles? Uh, you know you're you're you you're kicking the devil's you know a word since uh, whatever year 1983. Uh, uh, that um, I I want to ask you: Do you looking at the? I, I know that's your goal, and but when you look at the state of the world, is the devil winning? No. You know, I think that the devil is certainly right certainly trying hard to win. And sometimes it might appear that, uh -huh. you know, if we if we believe what we read in the word and we claim that and we stand in that in our faith, then we know the outcome. And so we don't need to worry about anything that looks like, oh, my gosh, what's happening? Is the devil winning? We already know he's not going to win. And, you know, there's no chance of that ever happening. Right. So, it's a, that's a wonderful no. thing. <laughs> it's beautiful. Um, we were talking a lot beforehand about how one of the most striking things in your book and in just your life story is how you came to be a Christian and then how that kind of went full circle um, with regard to some of the evangelical leaders who had opinions about Stripers. So I wanted Paul to sort of talk about that and ask you something about that. Sure. 
Well, you know, everybody knows, I think, that's a Striper fan. Uh, they know how we came to know Christ, and that was through Jimmy Swagger. And um, basically, we grew up in a musical family. Elvis was, you know, the king at our house. There were pictures of Elvis everywhere. My dad kind of talked like Elvis a little bit, looked like Elvis a little bit. Everything was related. Well, Mike, you know, Elvis would, you know, it was always Elvis, 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 Elvis. So I grew up that way and I love Elvis. So I, when I was 12 years old, but that being said, we started watching Jimmy Swagger and he sang a little bit like Elvis. Oh, you know, he had that whole thing. Yeah, he did. And we were instantly drawn to that. Like, oh, wow, this guy. And, uh, we started listening to him preach and we, we, as a family accepted Christ right there in front of the TV. We got involved in the church not long after that and, you know, continued on, fell away, stopped going to church, Robert and myself, once we got caught up in the Hollywood club scene. But then later on in life, you fast forward, Jimmy Swaggart, who really was a, a hero of our spiritual, you know, leader to us. He would hold up our albums and we saw this on television and, and, you know, renounce the band and say, don't follow these guys. They're wolves in sheep's clothing. They'd come to our shows and um, pick at our shows and tell people not to go in. And it was pretty disheartening. Uh, But I look back on it now and I realize that, you know, we're all flawed. I mean, Jimmy fell. We all fall in our own way. Sometimes farther than much further than others some people fall small some people fall big and that's life and we're all human we're all sinners and you know it could be any one of us and he he obviously was he fell and he was humbled and I think Christ has been working on him and he's working on all of us so I was pretty bitter towards him for a long time Uh right not gonna lie but yeah yeah speaking of being bitter like, as you know, the Proverbs command us to not rejoice when uh, evil befalls the wicked, which is wise. But yep. at least, at least like a little bit, you had to be tempted to rejoice when he got busted with hookers. Yeah, it, I mean, it wasn't so much rejoicing in like, grab the champagne and let's party kind of thing. But it was, it was to a degree, uh, obviously shocking. I was Uh shocked. And Uh I just, whoa, wow. You know, more of that kind of a a response. Uh, But then as time went on, I was angry at him Mm -hmm. for a while. Pretty angry. Uh, And and I just felt like, gosh, what what a hypocrite, you know? I mean, the ultimate hypocrite. But then as time went on, I realized that could be me. Hmm. And you know, I'm I'm no better than he is. I'm no stronger than he is. And in any weak situation or any where you place yourself out there in this world, we could all fall. And he fell, and I don't want to fall, but I do daily. Hmm. <laughs> right, right. But you know, because I'm I, I'm I'm not perfect by no means in. Uh, but, you know, I just it, it, it helped me to understand the situation in him and his heart and love him and forgive him and move on. And it's like I, I don't 
I don't hate Jimmy Swagger. You know, I'm not angry at him anymore. I do pray for him. And if it wasn't for him, I might not be sitting here talking to you guys. Right, right. But but what are the odds? Like, that, that's what I mean. Like, I, I would like to understand how you view the hand of divine providence on your life. The odds of you accepting Christ due to Jimmy Swigert's show, I mean, among other things, uh, yeah. spirit leading you and all that. But, but then to become a band that is noteworthy enough for him to want to protest you, like that alone is shockingly unlikely. <laughs> well, it is. And, you know, if you do the history on Jimmy Swaggart, you'll, you'll find out that he was against rock and roll music to the core. Like from his early beginnings, because he was, he's uh, Jerry Lee Lewis's cousin. And Jerry right. Lee Lewis was, was pursuing rock and roll and that whole lifestyle. And, and Jimmy might, maybe there was a little jealousy in that. Mm-hmm. In, in me in that. Uh-huh. Who knows? Who knows? But he right. always against rock and roll specifically very much so so when we came to the scene i think it just kind of went you know and he he saw us and look if i was a preacher i might have preached against us because let's face it we were we were pretty weird looking back then. yeah you were right on <laughs> so it, just, yeah. it seems such a weird hill to die on though because the the substance of what you're creating was theologically in line with what they believed. Uh-huh. Big time. Uh, you're right. You're right. Absolutely. I think what it was, though, mainly, wasn't so much the sound. I think that was part of it. But I think most of it was the look. You know, the yellow, yeah. black spandex, the hair, the makeup, the chains, all that stuff. I just think in 1983 and four, when we came on the scene, it was just too much for most of those people to be able to handle yeah satanic panic man they couldn't deal with it and maybe even if we came on the scene right now some people might not be able to deal with it if we look like we did back then and singing about jesus people would be like what the heck is this it would still have the same reaction maybe just not at the same level i had to watch a documentary when at my church called hell's bells and it was about the danger of rock music and not to upset your listeners but I, i'm not one of those guys that buys into that at all no when i became a christian i kept all my judas priest albums yeah right. i kept all my van halen albums and some people have this mentality oh you got to get rid of all that stuff and you you can't do this 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 and that anymore and see i I, I disagree. I think you can keep all that and do all that as long as you don't let it control you. It doesn't control you. When it starts controlling you, that's when you have a problem. Mm-hmm. I have a different view on those things. And it, when I say that to Christians, boy, some of them get up in arms. They think I'm I'm demon possessed. Oh, man. See, I don't know how you don't get well, jaded because that would drive me crazy. Sorry, Paul. Go ahead. Exactly. Yeah. I'm, I'm getting mad just even hearing him say that. <laughs> How dare they? That's outrageous. But hold it. That that album you did where you did the covers, all those covered, yeah. covering? Yep. That covering of Black Sabbath, Heaven and Hell, I mean, that is the best. I mean, really. <laughs> it's it's moving. Just I'm getting goosebumps even thinking about it. I mean, seriously. Big well, time. 
tell you, I'll tell you a real quick story. As a matter of fact, tomorrow night I'm doing a listening party at Patreon, Stripe for Patreon, for that album. And I'm going to dive into the songs and the stories behind the songs and how those bands influence us. But here's the thing. We can either rewrite history and lie mm-hmm. and tell people we grew up on a sweet comfort band. Or we can tell <laughs> and we grew up on Black Sabbath and Judas Priest and all the bands we covered. And that's the truth of the matter, that we didn't listen to Christian bands before we became Christians or after we became Christians. And I, I, again, I, that's just the truth. And, well, and those are the bands that influenced Striper, helped to shape mm-hmm. our sound, Black Sabbath, Iron Maiden, Judas Priest. Now, granted, there are some lyrics, obviously, that make me cringe from time to time when I hear it in a metal song and stuff. That You, you know, it, it, I like to call it anointed. You know, I think there are songs that are anointed by God and songs that are anointed by the devil. And there are certain songs, very few but and very rare, but certain songs that literally give me the the, the weebie-jeebies, you know, and creep me out because right. some lyrics are like, wait a minute here. And um, I get that. But for the most part, you know, when I listen to Judas Priest breaking the law or heading out to the highway or exciter or whatever i just i just love it it does nothing to me spiritually whatsoever we were so struck by how talented you are the musicianship the humility that you have the the passion for the music and it's just remarkable well you guys are too kind and awesome and you know we we just love what we do and we still have opportunities to go out and touch people and reach people. And, you know, as long as those doors are open, we're going to walk through them. I don't know how much longer that will continue. Uh, to be honest with you, some people, our album is called the final battle. Some people say, is this it? Is that what that means? And not necessarily, but you never know, you know, life on earth is short as we all know. And mm. you don't know what tomorrow brings. You can't count on tomorrow, but, uh, we'll keep doing it as long as we have today and, you know, doing yeah, it, giving it our best and our all. I and I, I'm so happy to hear that, you know, it's touched people like yourselves and hopefully many others and continues to do so. That's amazing. We ask everybody one last question before we go, which is what do you keep in the trunk of your car? Oh, gosh. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> trunk of my car is usually nothing. Whatever can is minimalist Uh, yeah but but right now if you looked in the trunk of my car we look like uh two people my wife and i that are living in their car oh no because there are literally pillows falling out onto our shoulders in the front seat the car is stuffed to the hilt and that's because we just uh sold our rv and we had to get everything out get everything in our car and we didn't know we had that much stuff in the RV. So it's hilarious right now. So today, everything's in our trunk. Wow. Because we have a theory that it represents where you are in your life. And I think that is true yeah. in your case today. Okay. <laughs> today, I'm I'm not in a good place. To <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm so sorry. And uh, we just thank you so much for coming on the show. You're off the hook and you're the yeah. best. You guys are awesome. Great job. I can't wait to see this and hear about it buzzing out there. And you guys have a fantastic rest of the day, okay? Thank you. Likewise. See you later. Bye. Bye.